first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clive from DC, and today we'll be talking about 8-Bit Christmas, Mixtape, Back to the Outback, and Annie Live. First, let's talk with Jude about 8-Bit Christmas. How are you, Jude? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So I always say that like Christmas movies, when they first come out as new, are not as good. Was this your perspective on this film? Uh, well, I, I, I really did enjoy 8-Bit Christmas. It was a little on the early side because it came out late November, I believe, on the 24th. So... I was just getting ready for the Christmas season, but it was awesome to have such a comedic film to get me in the spirit and look forward to a Christmas. Um, and I, I had a great wild ride with it, and it was it was awesome watching every second of it. All right, and you mentioned that it was comedic and then a wild ride, which reminds me kind of like Home Alone in a way. Was your perspective on this film as specifically a comedic film did it match up to some of those films like Home Alone that are classics now that are considered comedic as well? Well, I think titles like Home Alone gain value because of the actual title of a classic. So I don't think that you can really compare it yet because the movie just came out. But maybe like 10 years down the line, someone will remember, oh, do you remember that movie called 8-Bit Christmas? Man, that's such a classic. Like, it, it might be a classic to a new generation. Um, but comedic-wise, it, it definitely gave you a few great laughs, just like Home Alone did. All right. And since we are talking about it now, can you give us a little brief summary about what it's about? Yeah, 8-Bit Christmas is about a man, uh, Jake Doyle, played by Neil Patrick Harris, telling his daughter the story of him in the 90s trying to get a Nintendo entertainment system during that time. Um, and believe it or not, it's actually quite a crazy story. It's a, it was a huge deal in the 90s, and every kid wanted one. And it follows the adventure of Jake when he was little, trying to secure the greatest gift at the time being a Nintendo entertainment system. Which is a video game system if you if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So you there's a and and even with the name, I saw like the poster of it and it looks so video game-ish. I'm not fine with the terms, but since I'm not a person who plays a lot of video games, would I like relate to this film? Yeah, I think I think it has something for everybody, really. It doesn't matter if you're a big Nintendo or even a video game fan. I think the journey is relatable to everybody because everybody has something that they would love in their life and will go on a great journey into incredible lengths to get it. So I think it relates to everybody in that way. So everybody will get a kick out of watching it, even if you love video games or not. All right. And one thing about Christmas movies that I love that I personally think makes a Christmas movie is the soundtrack. How is the soundtrack in this film for you? Um, honestly, pretty basic. It didn't really stand out to me that much. 
it, it, it had like your classic Christmas jingles, uh, everything that you would normally hear. Nothing noteworthy though. It, it was in that sense, it was just like an average Christmas movie with all of like Christmas instruments and music, but it, but nothing really noteworthy. No. All right. And I am so familiar with Neil Patrick Harris. I just love his work in everything. Um, his Netflix series as well, um, the series of unfortunate events. I believe that's what it's called. I love mm-hmm. him in that. With any of the other films or anything that he's done before, do you think that this film is different from any of his other films? Or do you think that fans of Neil Patrick Harris will love him in this film? I definitely think that if you're a fan of Neil Patrick Harris, you definitely enjoy the film. Um, he definitely doesn't have that lo- like a huge role in the film he narrates a lot of it and he's in a decent portion of it but i think neil patrick harris has his iconic comedic style so if you're a fan of him and any other uh tv shows like a series of unfortunate events or how i met your mother you would definitely love seeing him in this film because why not all right and some final questions for you what is your age rating um as well as your star rating for this film yeah, I would rate I would I would recommend the film for ages eight to eighteen plus adults. And I would give it a solid three out of five stars. All right. And also, where can I watch this film or anyone else? Yeah, uh, 8 Bit Christmas is exclusively streaming on HBO Max now. Um, and I highly recommend that you give it a watch. All right. Thanks so much, dude. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just talked with Jude about 8-Bit Christmas, and now we're going to listen to his interview with actors from 8-Bit Christmas, Neil Patrick Harris and Winslow Fegley. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Jude Adler, reporting for Kids First. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Neil Patrick Harris and Winslow Fegley on their new upcoming film, 8-Bit Christmas. Neil Patrick Harris is known for his roles in How I Met Your Mother, a series of unfortunate events, and his new upcoming film, Matrix Resurrections. Winslow Fegley is known for his roles in Come Play and Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Jude Adler, reporting for Kids First. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Winslow Fegley and Neil Patrick Harris on their new upcoming Christmas classic, 8-Bit Christmas. Winslow is known for his roles in Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made, and Come Play. Neil Patrick Harris is known for his roles in How I Met Your Mother and, um, sorry, I'm blanking here, um, um, a series of unfortunate events and his new upcoming film, Matrix Resurrections. It's nice to have you guys here today. Thanks, dude. For our listeners who don't know, 8-Bit Christmas is a new film about a young boy in the 80s trying to secure the greatest gift anybody could receive, a Nintendo Entertainment System. So, Winslow, you and I clearly were not alive during the 80s. So what was, what was something that you could easily relate to modern day that inspired your love for Nintendo in the film? Well, I really, I mean, I, I'm kind of a video game geek. I love video games. Um, you know, I have an Xbox, a Switch, an Oculus, mm-hmm. a PC. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love all, all of the, um, the, the video games and stuff. Um, so I just kind of, I, I loved the character. I loved the story. I thought it was just hilarious. 
And mm-hmm. it was just super fun getting to play somebody that wasn't in the time period that I, I grew up when I didn't. And it was interesting to just immerse myself into, um, into the eighties and into that whole um, era. It was really awesome. And it was a great experience working with um, all these amazing actors and um, yeah, it's just awesome experience in general. Yeah, and I think the beautiful thing about video games themselves is that different generations can fall in love with them. Like, I told my dad about the film, and he was talking about his love for the Atari. So, uh, Mr. Harris, uh, what makes 8-Bit Christmas so relatable for you? Were you a Nintendo fan growing up? Oh, yeah, man. I was, in a, I was a fan of all of them growing up. I, I, Atari was pre-Nintendo in television was pre-Nintendo. Then Nintendo came out. It was baller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, gosh, what was after that? The Nintendo 64. Oh, wow, the N64, yeah. Xbox. Mm-hmm. I, I bought them all, played with them all. Yeah. Loved them. I was not a huge gamer. I'm a huge tech. <laughs> so I'm yeah. so interested in sort of where the advancements continue. The VR revolution, I have been well on top of for, since the beginning. So, mm-hmm. um, but the NES was dope. It was fun back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like it was very much like the movie. You had mm-hmm. the cool kids that were able to get a hold of one and get all the cool extra controllers and things, and everyone would yeah. beg to go to their house to play with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I'm all on. I'm all over VR, just like you guys. Um, I have an Oculus Quest, which I love, exactly. and I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, and I think another aspect that makes 8-Bit Christmas work so well is the friendship and teamwork that comes along throughout the film. Uh, so, Winslow, did you happen to make any noticeably great friendships with crew or cast members that you will always remember forever? For sure. I mean, a lot of the kids I just got to know uh, and well, just knowing well. I got to know them yeah. well. Um and I made a lot of friends. Um, it was just a super fun movie to film. Um, I never really got bored. I just got to like hang out with a bunch of cool kids and a bunch of cool people. I mean, yeah, I mean, I made a lot of friends for sure. I mean, I think I made friends with basically everybody except for this one guy. His name is like Neil or something. And <laughs> he, was, he was just really mean. Okay, okay. Said it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Well, thank you, Neil Patrick Harris and Winslow Fegley, for speaking with me today. You can find 8 Bit Christmas on HBO Max on November 24th, 2021. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Newsomatic Film Festival. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. 
For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about A Boy Called Christmas, 8-Bit Christmas, Mixtape, Back to the Outback, and Annie Live. I just talked with Jude about 8-Bit Christmas, and now we're talking with Carly about A Boy Called Christmas. How are you, Carly? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So I just talked with Jude about Christmas movies, and I'm going to practically ask you the same question. When it comes to like classical, you know, Christmas films, do you think that this film was up to par with, you know, the Christmas films that we all know and love? Yes, definitely. This version of the story of Christmas follows young Nicholas as he struggles to find his purpose in life and he lives with his father and is intrigued by his mother's story of Elfhelm, and she's called him to Chris. She called him Christmas. I definitely think that this this movie is great, and it definitely matches up with all the rest of the classic ones. And I think that one day it will be called a classic in further generations. All right, and and there's a lot of great net of Netflix Christmas movies and and also like series that they have, whether it's like the princess witch, a recent one with that's about Santa Claus, but either way, there's a lot of great Christmas films on there. Do you think that awards wise and also audience wise that this will actually be maybe one of the top Christmas films on Netflix this year? Yes. When it first released, it was actually in the top 10 already by like a couple days after it released. So I definitely think that people did enjoy watching it because it got so much ratings and people watched it. So it must have been getting good reviews. So I definitely think that it should have rewards. All right. And about the soundtrack, okay? I always think that Christmas movies need to be a Christmas movies with the soundtrack. I'm sorry. That's just my opinion. Do you think that the soundtrack in this film is a great Christmas soundtrack? Yes. The music made it more of an adventure and brought it to life more. It was really engaging and the music fit well with all the different types of emotional scenes, whether it was happy or if it was really sad All right. And I love whimsical like soundtracks for Christmas movies as well. So that's great to hear. And also, what is is this plot line different from other Christmas movies that we've 
already seen those regular Christmas movie tropes and things of that nature. Yes, especially since it follows Santa becoming Santa. Nicholas is young and it follows him, his journey becoming Santa. And it also begins with a woman named Aunt Ruth, played by Maggie Smith, who is telling the story to Hmm. kids she's babysitting. Oh, that's interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, what the film is about? Yes. So like I said, it begins with Aunt Ruth babysitting kids, telling the story about a boy named Nicholas, played by Henry Lawful, who travels to the north to search for his father and the magical village of Elfham. On his journey, he finds so much more like his purpose in life and what he was truly meant to become. Wow. And we're going to actually hear your interview next after your review um, with Henry Lawful. Was his performance in this film, um, you know, really what you could see in reality when you interviewed him? Was it meeting up to your expectation, if that makes sense? Yes. When I interviewed him, the director actually said that he was not a method actor. He's a natural And he already knew all the emotions to bring and he didn't even have to think about it. Wow. That's a great job bringing the character to life that we all know and love. That is so interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And then also when it comes to this, you said it was like a different plot line that we've never really seen before. Do you think that there could have been anything different to this film that you would have liked to see or any critiques that you may have? No, this was actually based on a book. So I do think that everything was really thought out and planned. And the director, Gil Keenan, he did a nice job bringing everything to life and making sure it all planned together. Well, all right. Thank you so much for that, Carly. And also, lastly, can you give us an age range and also a star rating and also where we can watch this film? Yes, I recommend this film to ages 10 to 17, and adults will also enjoy it. It's a nice holiday movie for the family. I also give it five out of five stars, and it is streaming on Netflix right now. All right. Thanks, Carly. I'll be sure to watch this Christmas movie. Thank you. You're welcome. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just talked with Carly about A Boy Called Christmas and Jude about 8-Bit Christmas. And now we're listening to Carly's interview with director Jill Keenan and and actor Henry Lawful from the movie A Boy Called Christmas. Hi, I'm Carly reporting for Kids First, and today I'm excited to be speaking with director and co-screenplay writer Gil Keenan and actor Henry Lawful from the new film A Boy Called Christmas. So, Mr. Keenan, what was it about the story that sparked your interest and made you want to bring A Boy Called Christmas to life? I love stories, and this just happens to be a really good one. Matt Haig is a phenomenal writer, and when I read this book, right away it took me back to being a kid. It reminded me of those nights before Christmas when I would look out the window and wonder if I was going to get visited that night. That sense of kind of wonder, anticipation mixed with magic. And also, it reminded me of all the great adventure films and stories that I loved reading and watching as films growing up. 
Um, it had such heart, but it told the story with a large canvas. And I felt totally taken away by the character of Nicholas and the journey he goes on. Yeah, I think this was the perfect book to bring to life because the concept of the origin of Nicholas is really interesting. Totally agree. Yeah. So, Henry, you play a character known and loved by many, Nicholas. What was the most challenging thing about playing him? Um, I guess it was, you know, in the story, there's so much crazy magical stuff that goes on. Um, you know, there's trolls trying to eat you. There's, there's elves in some crazy elf village. There's talking mice flying on reindeers. So, to to be surrounded by that, but also you know, show Nicholas's story um, and show the journey the character goes on as natural as possible. I guess to show you know and show the emotions that the character feels and the ups and downs that he goes through whilst being surrounded by all this crazy magical stuff. Um, and you know let the audience feel the character's emotion while he goes through it and keep it you know quite natural I guess um was quite a challenge yeah yeah definitely but I enjoyed watching you play young Nicholas thank you very much you're welcome (laughs) so Mr Keenan there are several settings in the story like the children's home the cabin the snowy woods and Elfham what was your favorite one and why well, I have to say that bringing Elfhelm itself to life was one of my happiest experiences as a director. We got to build most of it in real life in a beautiful back lot in Prague in the Czech Republic. And our production designer, Gary Williamson, who's a certifiable genius and designed all the Paddington films, worked with a team of hundreds of artists to build this entire world. So when Henry, playing Nicholas, actually stepped foot into Elfhelm for the first time. Everything around him that he saw was there. Um, it's, not, it's not a CG world. And uh, so building that and allowing the camera and the audience to go into there um, is a huge thrill. Wow, that's really cool. Henry, the film includes several animated characters such as Mika, Blitzen, and others, as well as special effects in Elfhelm. What is it like to act when your co-stars are animated? Um, obviously, it's tricky. Um, but playing Tamika the mouse was, was enjoyable because Gil here wrote, was the, um, for me, he was the voice of Mika until I went into the, uh, into the ADR and done the audio stuff in post where it was then Stephen Merchant. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. And then we had a few different, different, methods of bringing the reindeer to life so um yeah it was you know there was like a bucking bronco sort of thing like a mechanical horse there was stuntmen holding me on some (laughs) plank thing held by scaffolding um there was uh there was a real life horse which was really fun so yeah yeah, i guess it was all a great massive part of the experience um Acting to it, yeah, I guess was tricky, but to now see it come to life is is amazing. Sounds challenging, but like a really great experience to have. Really fun. Yeah. Mr. Keenan, what was the biggest challenge you faced adapting the book A Boy Called Christmas by Matt Haig into a film? Well, it's an incredible story, 
I would say that my biggest challenge was just making sure that I was doing justice to the book itself, because it's a book that has big feelings and conjures magic very easily and casually almost, which is something that is easy to do on the page. But sometimes when you work to put that into imagery on the screen can be very difficult because you have to convince the audience like a magic trick that the reality that they're watching this story in is one that they believe. But then when something fantastical or magical happens, that it is a natural growth of the world that they're in. And that is not an easy thing to do. It takes a really uh, talented group of collaborators to help do that. Um, Both the actors in front of the camera who have to make you believe by their reactions, and all the hardworking women and men in the crew. Yeah, it was very nicely well done and put together, and it was really enjoyable to watch. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Henry, your character shows a range of emotions, including grief, fear, happiness, and different scenes. Can you tell us how you prepare for emotional scenes? Um. To be honest, um, there wasn't much method behind that. It was sort of just learn the script, um, get on set, and then, you know, see what I can do. And then if it's wrong, Gil will correct me. And then, um, yeah, yeah, you got to, I don't know, um, you got to get into the character's emotions but I don't know there was a specific method I really used to be honest I'm sure actors will do it differently but for me well it's um, an interesting it's interesting to hear Henry answer this because if I can just chime in one of the things that makes Henry a very gifted performer is that he reacts by instinct he acts by instinct which is not this is not normal a lot of actors approach their craft in different ways But one of the things that I think makes the character of Nicholas so compelling for me to watch on screen is that there is a reality to the way that Henry approaches the scenes and especially the emotions in the scenes that, as you can hear in his answer, was not something that was artificially arrived at. It was arrived at very organically and just through instinct and reaction. Yeah, that is a really good quality to have. Anyway, thank thank you you guys for talking with me. Uh, That was a pleasure. Thank you so much for the wonderful questions. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from DC, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Newsomatic Film Festival. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www. 
kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Welcome back. I'm your host, Ashley Ply from DC, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about 8-Bit Christmas, A Boy Called Christmas, Mixtape, Back to the Outback, and Annie Live. Now we're going to be talking with Heather about her film, Mixtape. How are you, Heather? Hi, I'm great, Ashley. How about yourself? I'm great. So this film is called Mixtape. It automatically catches my eye when I see it. What is this film about? So it's about this girl named Beverly in 1999, and she lives with her grandmother, Gail. And the reason for that is because her parents died in a car crash. And so she finds this mixtape one day from her parents and it it has a list of a bunch of songs, but it gets ruined. So Mm. she goes to the store and she tries to learn more about her parents and their music because she barely knows anything about them. So she just goes on this journey to find out who she is, who her parents were, and just growing up, it's a coming of age. So we get a lot of good friendships and family moments in there. All right. And that sounds very interesting. So what was one of your favorite aspects of this film? There was a lot of stuff. I mean, I like how how the overall tone of the film was. It was very like nice and bright that a lot of um, young audiences we really need instead of so much like drama and like, you know, dramatic um, scenes and storylines. I just had a good, fun time watching it. It's going to be like one of those comfort movies that you just go back to go and watch it again and again because you can't get enough of it. And then, of course, the music. There was a lot of different songs in there from from a lot of different um, artists. And then you've got the friendship that Beverly has between this guy who owns a, a record store. His name is Anti, which is really, really funny. Like, mm-hmm. them two together is just great. There's a lot of of different aspects that I loved about this movie. And that's interesting. And what's also interesting is that you also interviewed Julie Bowen and Gemma Brooke um, Allen, if I pronounce your name right. Um, What was your favorite scene? Well, not scene, but part of interviewing them. Was it a great experience to, you know, see the person that you also saw once um, on your TV screen and now, you know, in, in person? Of course. I mean, that's the best part about being a reporter. You get to just watch their performances and then meet the actors. Julie and Gemma were so nice. I mean, Gemma, she was so down to earth, just like Julie. Um, Gemma, she's so grown up for her age. Um, She's really cool. Like, I can't wait to just 
watch her grow as an actress. And then hopefully we get a sequel for mixtape. So I'd love to see them back and hopefully kids first covers mixtape two or whatever <laughs> they're going to call it. And that I get to talk to them again. They were just great. I mean, my interview was pretty short. They just gave me five minutes, but they were awesome. Five minutes. I had a great time. All right. Thanks for sharing that. And you also mentioned that there may be a sequel. That's very interesting because actually not a lot of films require a sequel. So was the, you know, the ending and the conclusion and that climax at the very end, was it like worth, you know, a sequel? Like, is there a plot after that, do you think? I think there could be. I mean, it ends with sort of like a bow on top, but I feel like if, um, if a lot of people just go and see this movie, we could get a sequel. It, it sort of opens up like Beverly, she's entering this new era of music. So she's not only listening to it, she's performing it with her friends and she's starting a band. So I'd love to see where that band goes. Um, Anti, her friend, starts like kind of flirting with her grandmother, Gail. So I'd love to see where <laughs> that relationship goes. And just again, just to see Beverly just grow into her own would be really fun. All right. And... This film is called Mixtape, and and you said it's about, like, you know, this, honestly, I would say a really cool family story. What is a message that you think maybe someone going into maybe a particular, particularly similar story to the main character, what do you think a message they could take away from from this film? Oh, there's a few, um, but the main one would probably probably be Beverly uh, just finding her way into the world. You know, she's she's different and she's um, she's quirky. She's not afraid to be herself. And then but she sort of feels lost. So by learning her. Sorry, by learning who her parents were and just sort of knowing her background, it gives her this sort of life that adds on to her incredible personality. And she just grows throughout the film and. Um, that's something that we could all use, especially in the age that Beverly's in. She's in like a 12, 13 year old, like a preteen kid that Mm -hmm. you don't know where you sort of fit into the world to just find yourself and just express yourself by the way you dress and by the music that you listen to and not being afraid of everybody's comments or thoughts. That's the message. (laughs) Of course. I I love that message. And I think it's so great for honestly kids our age kids of that age and since that since you really mentioned you know like really the age of the main character um how do you feel about other films out there there's actually you know a lot more films coming out now about kids our age do you think that this film represents um kids in our age range well I actually do. I feel like a lot of the teen shows that I watch are so overly dramatic and they have like experiences that at least in in my zone, I live in Miami. I I don't know a lot of kids that go through these problems and like, like these relationships that they have and, and their experiences throughout high school. I've never lived it myself. So it kind of is harder to connect, but mixtape supplies me with like, this funny, you know, girl that even if I can't relate to her, I still like watching her and -hmm. just I can connect with her easy, easily. And and she feels like my friend instead of I'm just watching something that adults think is what teenagers do, but isn't quite the accurate representation. Oh, my gosh. I cannot tell you how much I love that response, Heather. Thank you so much. And lastly, lastly, um, what is your age recommendation 
star rating, and also where we can watch this film. So my age range is 12 to 16. My star rating is five out of five stars. And you can catch it on Netflix streaming now. It's It came out on December 3rd. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you so much, Heather. Of course. No problem. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from DC, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking to Carly about A Boy Called Christmas, Jude about 8-Bit Christmas, and Heather about Mixtape. Now we're going to listen to Heather's interview with the cast of Mixtape. Hi, guys. It is so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I yes, love you. Oh, hi. It's, I loved Mixtape so much. I had such a great time watching it. It's the perfect family film. And one of the best points of the film is the relationship between Gail and Beverly. Miss Bowen, how did you work with your co-stars to bring out the best of these characters? Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Um, but I would, I would say, how did Gemma work with me? I, it's, it's, it's much harder to work with somebody who's been around forever. We, we've got habits and we have uh, ways of doing things that we're used to. And really, we need to pay more attention to the younger actors and give them space to, to do their thing. Because she is a terrific actress. And we both worked together, I thought, really well. We had some tough scenes and we had to give each other space to kind of get to the cry. Oh, the cry. It's hard to cry on camera and we did a lot of it. So, uh, you know, we just, we bonded right away. We did some dancing. She taught me some TikTok dances. That helped. (laughs) That's so (laughs) much fun. Like, actually speaking with Miss Allen, speaking about Beverly, she's such a strong, amazing character, which is so much fun to watch, especially since she's an amazing, wonderful, positive influence to younger girls. Miss Allen, how did you feel playing Beverly? Oh, I felt amazing. I'm so grateful and lucky to have been able and had the opportunity to bring her to life. I think she's amazing. And I love that she lives in her own little quirky world. She just has her little bubble. And, you know, in the movie, she kind of learns not to let anyone mess with that bubble of hers. (laughs) Exactly. And I had such a fun time watching Beverly just because it's a breath of fresh air of like what us young audiences normally get, like all this dramatics. And it was just fun watching a nice, quirky girl that we can relate to. And speaking about Beverly and what she learns, Miss Bowen, what do you hope that audiences take away from mixtape, especially since there's so many themes with friendship and family and learning to be yourself? Um, I think, I think there's a, there, there are a lot of those messages and there's also messages about grief and hope and moving on. Um, but there's something about the way that this is set in the nineties that may, makes me feel like one of the messages that we don't talk about enough is slowing down, unplugging, getting to the point when the internet wasn't ubiquitous, cell phones weren't ubiquitous, that it took hours and hours and hours to make a mixtape. There's something very sort of analog about the whole movie that made me very nostalgic for a time when you just sort of had to sit down or call each other on the phone that was attached to the wall with a curly, curly wire thing. Cord. I think that's what it's called. It's called a cord. <laughs> but that, that slowing down and being with each other is uh, something we, we sometimes rush right past these days. That's absolutely true. I mean, it's so funny how the the film is set in the 90s, but it's also, it's not so obvious, not like sort of like shoved mm-hmm. in our faces. It's just like a nice sort of calm, which sets the background. Miss Allen, one of my favorite scenes, speaking of the 90s, is when Beverly, she goes, 
do it. What was your favorite scene to film? Oh boy, I'm gonna have to say Y2K party, probably, or the swing. Or the swing. Playing the song and just like improving and cuddling. By that time in the in filming, we had just created such a bond. We were just like best friends, and the view from that swing, the view from that swing was incredible knowing and Val was like we got a money shot like it was just like magical like just it felt like I was in a dream and then the Y2K was so fun because like the whole cast was there it was like we all got to party and it was like literally everyone which was so fun and we got to really sing and play those instruments and I was so excited I got to sing on the uh, concert and um, that was really fun and we had real fireworks that was so exciting best fireworks I have ever seen they were so that cool. Was, that's so cool. I loved watching that scene. That scene, actually, like you said, Money Shot, it came out wonderful. And thank you guys so much for speaking with me. I absolutely loved Mixtape. And congratulations on the release. Thank you. Thank, thank you so, so much. much. Thank you. Happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you, guys. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Newsomatic Film Festival. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from DC, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking to Heather about mixtape, Carly about a boy called Christmas, Jude about 8-Bit Christmas, and next we're listening to Kyla's interview with the directors from Back to the Outback. Hi everyone, I'm Zoe Canella reporting for Kids First. Today I'm with Harry and Claire. How are you guys? Doing very well, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So Back to the Outback is like a love letter to the beautiful country of Australia, which is where you guys are both from. So why did you feel it's just so important to tell the story and what was your overall purpose? 
I think sort of growing up in Australia, there was a grew up with a lot of those animals around, you know, obviously koalas and kangaroos, but also the dangerous and deadly animals, the spiders, the snakes and the, the lizards. And the purpose was to sort of show, to shine a spotlight on those animals, the ones who aren't perceived as cute and beautiful, but actually who are really lovely, often very gentle, kind, sweet animals. So it was to... It was to give them their moment and to show the world that these animals that some people think are scary are actually really lovely and fun and and important. And it's not often that some of these animals are seen, you know, like a thorny devil lizard is not that well known. Or mm. So by making these characters, um, we're hoping that people will research them and find out lots of interesting things that we've kind of put in there that, and, uh, you know, all, you know, snakes, all of these things are all about perception as well. You would think they're going to be deadly, but you can't judge a book by its cover. So all of our animals, you think they're going to be one way. Even the koala you think is going to be cuddly, but he's not necessarily uh, that way at the beginning of the movie anyway. Yes, I love those messages. And I think it's truly important to share across audiences. And as you said, I think it's a great learning experience for everyone watching to learn about an animal that they haven't heard of before. So it's like a a win-win for everyone. And the storyline has a lot to do with nature, obviously, and the way we treat nature and interact with it as well. But the characters in the movie also have a lot of their own Um, lives going on obviously they're animals and they have feelings just as us humans and so how did you kind of counterbalance everything and kind of intertwine every character's own stories along with the whole theme of the movie in general well I think the theme is as Claire said it's about not judging a book by its cover it's always about looking beyond the surface and seeing what a person has inside and these animals were great to choose as our heroes because they present we have a perception of them that they are dangerous and they are deadly And so we actually wanted to lean into that perception, but at the same time, we wanted to use a lot of their characteristics to show the human side of them. Like for example, Frank the spider. Spiders actually do have these very bizarre sort of mating dances. And so that was something that gave him a human quality that he's this young guy who basically loves dancing. Zoe is this prickly thorny devil lizard who are known for being great at camouflaging and escaping. So we wanted to make her as a, as a character, the one who's the smartest, the one who knows how to escape, the one who's got all that sort of street cred and that sort of stuff. So it was a bringing about. It was a lot about bringing their animal characteristics into their human personalities to make them these extraordinary-looking but very relatable characters. And also, these animals travel together. They go on an adventure, and they're looking for a home. And so there's also a, a core message about where home is and who your family is. Mm-hmm. And it's often the people that you travel with. Um, that are part of your family and your friends. So it's a it's also a message about togetherness and you know really kind of everyone has something special and something that something special could save everything in the end. Yes, I love that. That's another message that delivers to the audience as well. So how do you guys want to introduce Australia to the kids of the world and how this animation uh, represents your country? I think the first thing that brings them in is Australia. They're they're seeing a, a place that they've obviously heard about, but they're seeing us in a way now they may not have seen it before. They're seeing an, animals animated. 
that they wouldn't have seen animated before, these bizarre-looking animals. And I think that'll be their first impression, which is great. It sort of draws them in. It's very interesting. It's They're incredibly interesting animals. And then once they're drawn into the story, I think, you know, we'd like to sort of them to take away some sort of deeper messages about what the film, you know, is about, about tolerance and prejudice and all of those things and friendship and the importance of family. And also Australia itself, we travel... Uh, from the part you saw, we go out of Sydney um, into off into the Blue Mountains to the Janolan Caves. There's just such a beautiful vastness as you go out into the outback. So we hope that people get to see that and experience it um, mm. as they as they watch it. Yes, when I watched the 30 minutes that I have seen, I actually didn't get to well not go to the outback, obviously, but see that part of the film. I mm. it kind of ended when they were like about to go on, on like this huge mission so I'm very excited though to see because if I'm loving it so far and I'm just this is like the peak I am assuming that it's just going to get so much more interesting and more fun it was already amazing so uh, very exciting I think this film is so unique not only because of like the storyline the characters and the animation but because of the messages and how educational it is just so much and I can't wait to finish it honestly thank you guys so much for talking with me I really had a blast and I'm I'm super excited. Thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just listened to Zoe's interview with the directors of Back to the Outback, Heather about Mixtape, Carly about A Boy Called Christmas, Jude about 8-Bit Christmas, and next we're listening to Zoe's interview with Taraji P. Henson and Selena Smith on Annie Live. Hi everyone, I'm Zoe Canelop, reporting for Kids vs. Zoe the Movies, and today I'm chatting with Oscar nominee and Golden Globe winner Taraji P. Henson and Selena Smith, who is the star of the upcoming Live Annie, who has also been in the series Young Dylan. How are you guys? Great, how are you? I'm great. Annie Live is unprecedented, and you're going to perform in front of a 500 uh, live audience, but it's also going to be simultaneously telecast for millions of NVC of viewers who are going to be watching as well. So how do you prepare for such a big thing? Lots of practice. <laughs> yeah. Lots of practice. I mean, you know, um, Selena, you've done Broadway for sure. Yeah. And I've done theater and it's a lot of rehearsals. It's six weeks of hardcore rehearsal. But the bittersweet part of this is um, the bitter part is that we only do it for one night. <laughs> yeah. I was so sad when I heard that. Um, but then, I mean, it's all going to be worth it. It is. You guys are going to be so blown away. And may I add on to what you said, Mr. Raji? Um, sure. Yeah, um, and we like it's all about taking care of yourself throughout this process. Like, like you once said to me, like you have to be able to take care of yourself, like with your voice, mentally, physically. Like you have to like care for yourself, like because you come first always. So when you're doing like productions like these, like it's all about making sure you're taking care of yourself mentally and physically. That's yeah. what I. That's what I have to do every day. Just every. making sure. <laughs> Because it's live theater and things can happen. And if you're not um, mentally sharp or in your best, then that's when mistakes can happen in accidents. So you got to take care of yourself. (laughs) Of course, I totally agree. And Selena, you've been working on the TV series Young Dylan, um, but this is totally different. So I guess what is the most exciting part for you to be playing the role of Annie? It's just so exciting for me and it's just such a blessing because, you know, like 
when these type of auditions come in, you know, it's just something that your heart is set on so badly. And so, you know, the audition process was such an experience in itself. So when I even, when I even heard that I got the new, when I heard that I got the part, you know, it was, oh my gosh, it was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I'm just so, so, so excited for you guys to see this new, like, part of me that I don't really, like, do. And, like, Young Dylan, like, I don't sing in Young Dylan a lot. I mean, there's one episode where I do sing, but, like, you know, I don't sing in Young Dylan a lot. So it's just, just like, this another part of me that you guys are being able to see in any lives, like, my musical side. So I'm excited, you know? <laughs> really, really good. She has some pipes on her. <laughs> <laughs> sure i heard some videos of you singing and girl you can sing like thank you <laughs> of course i've loved annie for such a long time like growing up it used to be one of my favorite movies like i'd sit on my amazon prime watch it i lo- so i can imagine for you this is like a dream come true this is super surreal and yeah and taraji i know you also performed at the oscars which is like a super big deal and most people know you as an actress but you also can sing amazingly so how much are you enjoying this opportunity as well uh for you to be doing both singing and acting um well you know theater is actually where i started and i studied musical theater at howard university and you know in hollywood i don't get to do it often you know every now and again i'll land a role where it requires me to sing but um I, I don't think people really know that I can sing like that, like how you have to sing in a Broadway musical because I just haven't done it. There's nothing on the internet that shows me in this light. And as an artist, I always continue to push myself. I don't ever want to feel, get bored in what I'm doing. I want to always feel nervous and butterflies. That means I'm growing as an artist. And, um, you know, certainly the pressure is on. <laughs> performing live and it's going to be televised um but it's certainly something that I really enjoy doing and that's what I studied at school so I this is in my DNA (laughs) I can't wait to share this part of my talent with my fans what do you think the character Annie symbolizes for the both of you and what do you think that the audience is going to take away from this and I'm super excited I know I've said that like a million times but I really am (laughs) Well, for me, I think Annie kind of sim- symbolizes the message of hope. And, you know, this like 2020 and 2021 were just a big hot mess for me <laughs> up to August. Like it was just like a big hot mess for me. So I'm it just like my mom said this once. I, it's like a big hug for people like, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm I'm just so excited. <laughs> and, you know, with, with Broadway opening back up, you know, it's just it's going to be like like therapeutic it's therapeutic for me and I hope it's therapeutic for you guys too because it's such it's such like the whole play is like a big hug for everyone and the the message of hope is like so loud in this musical so I'm just really excited you know <laughs> I can't even say it enough either <laughs> Mussolina I think 2020 was a big hot mess for us all let's yeah <laughs> so I think we could all use a hug right now <laughs> and a laugh yeah, laugh <laughs> Um, What I hope the audience um, takes away from this is that (laughs) history is repeating itself, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, they were talking about a Great Depression and we're sort of kind of coming out or trying to come out of a different kind of depression. Um, And, you know, Annie, it just reminds us to, to stay optimistic, you know, to stay optimistic um, and to know that 
it's not where you start and it's how, it's how you finish and that everyone is deserving of love, every human on this planet. Um, and that's what I hope people take away. I hope they, like Selena said, feel hugged and loved and seen. Absolutely. Well, virtual hugs through the screen. I guys, um, <laughs> unfortunately, we're out of time, but don't miss any live on NBC December 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the newest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Newsomatic Film Festival. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.